C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And we are here with a very rare returning... A very rare? A first? Our first, really, besides David and Corey, who don't count. No, lying, David and Corey, we love you. Um, But our first return guest, we are so excited, and the return guest is... (gasps) Lily Womble, dating Yay! coach extraordinaire. I've been a lot of people's firsts. <laughs> JK, JK. We are so excited. We had so much fun and amazing, great feedback on your last episode. So we're so excited to have you back. And I've literally, Thanks. Lily, I have to say, and I probably should have said this off air, but I'm just going to say it now. Um, I have been recommending you like out the wazoo, like to my clients, to my friends in New York. So I'm hoping some of that comes your way um as i we just love what you do thank so. you so much i uh i got a client out of the last uh ep oh, good. i know you guys are, are making an impact and, <laughs> and the work that i'm doing with that client is super super awesome and impactful and so i'm grateful to Amazing. be back yeah and we are releasing this the weekend before valentine's day and dun, we'll be dun, talking dun. about that a little later um, but first, not to take up too much time, we got a fan mail. <laughs> and uh, Shay's going to do a dramatic reading. Per usual, of the I fan will mail. do a dramatic reading. And then uh, we can talk about from it. Number one fan of the pod, Michael, who we've heard from before. He's emailed us in uh, the past. Do you know yeah. Michael personally? Yes. Oh. He's been do on the pod. Oh, he's <laughs> in the pod. Okay, yeah. you said that. Sorry. Great. Yeah. The email's great. Yeah. So. And, we, and we love Michael, and we just, you know. We love his enthusiasm for the pod. Exactly. Uh, subject, Gen Z. Message, dear camp adulthood, just listen to your most recent episode with Jackson. I think the Gen Z episodes are my favorite. Interesting to hear their perspective on the world and how their upbringing differs from ours. Some thoughts. Number one, me are not a new thing. But what I think is different nowadays is the rapid pace at which new memes emerge and the absolute lack of rules for what a meme can be. I like contemporary meme culture because the humor is always fresh and unpredictable. My concern is that the younger generations will gradually lose touch with how to have normal social interactions with other human beings, or maybe That isn't a problem. It could just be our culture evolving. Either way, kids today are really fucking weird. (laughs) Number two, speaking of memes, Pepe the Frog is not an inherently racist meme. Pepe has been around for over a decade. It was only since recently, 2015-ish, that the meme has been commandeered by alt-right groups to spread their racist ideas. Number three, on the subject of younger folk having less sex, and our guest will be able to speak to this, uh, that's really hard to gauge in my experience. You'd think hookup culture, quote unquote, and more open attitudes about sex would indicate people having more sex. Maybe it's just a minority of sex crazed heathens controlling the narrative. This reminds me of a personal story. I remember when I was in a sixth grade math class and there were two girls sitting in front of me passing notes to one another. I happened to see one of the notes. It said in big letters and then all in caps, I got laid. This blew my 11 year old mind. I was still figuring out how to talk to girls and other kids my age were having S-E-X. And this was always a theme in the gossip I'd hear through middle school, high school, and college, that everybody is fucking each other. Given the statistic of younger people having less sex, it's possible all that gossip has warped my reality. There's a silent majority of people not having tons of sex. 
Also, teenagers regularly lie about their sex life. So take every salacious story with a grain of salt. Speaking of abstinence, oh, sorry, number four. Speaking of abstinence, <laughs> Colton's explanation for why he's still a virgin. This is a Bachelor reference, by the way. He didn't really say, but it's about oh, yeah. Colton the Bachelor. Go on. Uh, is definitely suspect. It actually takes effort to maintain your virginity if you're a professional football player, especially if you're as physically attractive as Colton. It's probably because he's a millennial and he's too busy looking at dank memes on the internet. Michael. Any any initial thoughts? I wanted I you to fact to check the Pepe thing and I did and it seems legit. Yeah. His like his the twenty fifteen. Yeah. I think also, the point that we were making about the Pepe thing was like it doesn't really matter when it happened. It's just the fact that like now in 2019 you have to use it with caution knowing well and that it has a racist mm -hmm. connotation actions never exist outside of their context right Right. if now the context of pepe is that it is very racistly used then i don't think that we should be using it because Mm -hmm. it's already been commandeered right exactly the other Uh, oh oh, no you go ahead i just wanted to tell a fun fact related to uh dank memes um and that is that elon musk just purchased the website stank memes for a very large sum of money that i now cannot remember but like millions and millions of dollars wow um the last point so like the first part of this email was about the episode that we had with jackson who's like a gen z person but the fourth point we talked about the bachelor during the episode with Brianne, mm-hmm. and we talked about the Col- with Colton. I don't know how familiar you are with The Bachelor. That he's gay? Well, oh, I have some inside knowledge Ooh. on this. <gasps> okay, hold that I thought. Know. Hold that thought. <laughs> Relevant. Like, look on your face, Matthew. You're Do you have like, any so uh, clients or former clients who were on The Bachelor? No, so I have, well, I know someone who knows someone, beside the point, but who... I know someone who is friends with Jacqueline from last season. Oh, okay. Who had the curly okay. hair. And yeah, who, yeah, She's She lives in New York. And she was on Bachelor in Paradise. Right. So, but I know someone who knows a PA, and this PA on Bachelor, and this PA told us about the ending with Ari last season way before anybody else knew. Okay, oh, so man. they clearly have good so intel. So they have good intel. Yeah. The intel that I have is that Colton, that's his name. Yeah. I'm not watching. Yeah, yeah. Colton doesn't pick either and he comes out. (gasps) Oh my God, if that's true, this is going to be the biggest podcast exclusive. I hope I was supposed to share that. It's fine. I mean, you didn't reveal your source. Okay. Okay. So what I was going to say in relation to Michael's email is totally different from that because when we were on the talking to Brianne... We were also kind of like, is he gay? Like, he's 26. He's a professional football player. To Michael's point, he's probably fighting off women. He hasn't said he's religious. Like, not that anyone needs to provide a reason for their virginity whatsoever. But it just, it seems like there's more to the story. And so we were like, maybe maybe he's gay. And he just doesn't feel comfortable coming out. But then last week's episode, there was a girl, a contestant, Kaylin, who shared her struggle with Colton of sexual assault. And Colton has very famously dated Allie Raceman, the gymnast, prior to coming on the show. And so Kaylin, the current contestant, was sharing this very horrible story of being sexually assaulted in college. And Colton kind of alluded to, and it was weird in the, sorry, it was weird in the episode, but then I've like listened to podcasts and stuff about it since then. And what he was basically saying was that part of the reason why it was so hard for him to come out as a virgin and part of his virginity story was that he was his first love had gone through like horrible sexual abuse i.e Allie Raisman Allie Raisman and that creep the the doctor I can't remember his name doesn't Doesn't matter yeah yeah and so he didn't say it was her but people are like okay they dated for a year and it was like a high profile thing so maybe it was her and so that in my mind I was like maybe he is a virgin because he wanted to have sex with her, but she wasn't really ready to, for that. And 26 isn't that old. No, it's not. No. I lost my virginity at 24. Right. Hey-oh. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. there right there with you, girl. 
And like I said, no one is owed an explanation, but the ending that you've described is way better. <laughs> so we're so going to have the first. And then we open the door to the first, well, gay, bachelor. The first gay bachelor. Yes. But also Season both two of, of those stories could be true. It is true. Or maybe he's bisexual or something. Maybe he was attracted to her. And then there was the sexual assault thing. And, and I, he also was attracted to men. So I went to this event called Love Touchpoint the other mm-hmm. night. Have you heard of it? No. Mm-mm. It's become this big thing. They have a podcast, Love Touchpoint, um, and quite a following. And this guy named Jared started it. He started out as a dating coach. And now he leads these Love Touchpoint conversations where it's a a co-working space in New York and 130 people were there. We all take off our shoes and sit in a circle and three or four people share very intimate stories of love and sex. And in between people offer their, like their feelings about that story and what it brings up for them. And, uh, the, every, every, uh, gathering that they have, they're called town hall gatherings. Um, there's a, a, a PhD sexologist or sex wow. educator, sex therapist who works at NYU. And she was talking about the fluidity of sexuality and how the fluidity of sexuality is very biologically real and how, um, biologically the evidence is very clear that women's sexuality, um, is much more fluid than men's, um, and that men's sexuality can be fluid, right? Um, And why I'm bringing this up is that she was saying when people realize that their sexuality is fluid or maybe they realize they want to be with women or they want to be with men at a certain point in their growing up, they have the desire to reinterpret their past sexual history as a lie Mm -hmm. or as like, oh, I just hadn't discovered that I was gay or I hadn't discovered that I was straight, right? Um, But in fact, it's much more like... Like, both were real. Both and yeah. both were real. That's so, so interesting. So that's the point, Shay's point, that, like, both could be real. Or was it your point? It doesn't matter. I think we were all well, kind of on I the same we're page. All on the same thing. And I think that's just, that's such an interesting concept, and I would love to read that study, because I um, I read in Slate, I don't know if either of you guys read Slate, but the advice column, uh, the Dear Prudence advice column, which is written by uh, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, who uh, is a trans man, and he, um, basically, he gets a lot of letters from generally very supportive parents who are like, my child has come out as a lesbian, or my child thinks they're trans, and you know, can they just like, can we just wait on it? Like, because what if they change their mind? And, you know, and his advice, sometimes I don't totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, he's a little harsh on someone who's like trying to do the best thing for their 13 year old child. Who's, you know, suddenly like I'm a lesbian. And the parents are like, well, yesterday you really liked Barbies. So I don't really know what that means, you know? Um, but that's something that like he kind of talks about from time to time is that even though sexuality is fluid, you still have to, you know, you still have to acknowledge what's happening, particularly with an adolescent at that time. So I don't know. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Shall we jump into peppering Let's questions? Jump in. Yeah. So listeners, we are foregoing our normal segments today because we want to <laughs> focus on our guest and just really dig into this special episode about love and happy Valentine's Day to all our guests. I or not our, our guests. Yes. And our listeners. Guests in our heart. I just I really love Valentine's Day. How do you guys feel about oh. it? I'm sorry. I can't say I like really love it. Why? How do you feel about it? I don't know. It's just kind of, it's like, it's like fine. It's like candy and like whatever. I've been single for most of my Valentine's days of my life, but I just like being able to tell everybody that I love them. That is nice. It is a nice time for that. Well, when I was, I love Valentine's Day. I love the like, I used to bake cookies when I was in high school and just like bring them on Valentine's Day and like give them out. I was cheesy as hell. And um, I love the the feeling that you got in like kindergarten, first grade when you when you bought like special valentines yeah. with your favorite character from a movie that year on them, and you like put them in a little bot little bag for each of your friends. Um, so it's really nostalgic for me, and I recognize that now as a dating coach and as a woman who's in a serious relationship and having not been in relationships on other Valentine's Day, it's it just is a 
day full of baggage. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into it. Can we let's pause and say Shay hasn't seen it, but you are wearing a very beautiful ring. I am. <gasps> Can we talk about uh, that? Okay. I know. Okay. I knew she was going to have that reaction, <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Be, so I actually not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So I'm really I, happy for you. Well, it doesn't. It. Thank you so much. And yeah. um, it. This is my grandmother's ring. I'm not yeah. officially or traditionally engaged. Um, what That's Chris okay. and I are doing right now is like we one day um, decided to wear rings, mm-hmm. and it it was it started as sort of a. Um, an unspoken, like, hey, we're going to have fun and, like, pretend to be married. Oh, isn't this fun? And then it became something that we discussed more and more, and we fully intend to spend our lives together and to be partners for the rest of our lives. Um, and so wearing rings, like, actually feels really right, even though we're not traditionally married, we're not traditionally engaged, um, because I like, and I think he likes, people assuming that we are in a very serious, committed relationship with one another, And to not, like, I have a lot of baggage around, like, getting engaged and getting married from my history, like, growing up in the South and coming from parents who were divorced. So um, sort of making our own tradition, even if it feels a little silly sometimes, and we do get judged sometimes by our friends. Right. Why are Um, people judging? Um... I think that's wow. really beautiful. I love I that. I do, too. That's I nice. had the same reaction you did, Shay, where we were talking beforehand, and I noticed it was very sparkly, and I was like, oh, my gosh, did you get engaged from the last time I saw you? And then we had talked about it, and I was like, well, we should definitely talk about this on the pod, because I love that you guys felt this connection and didn't feel like you had to do sort of the socially prescribed thing, and you just kind mm. of did what felt right for you. Mm. And I thought that was very interesting and cool. Mm, thank you. I, I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Go on. Well, I just no. say you get to enjoy this time of just being together and being committed without this pressure of like, oh, where are you? What's the venue and who's the band? Because but that stuff is bullshit. Like that yeah. doesn't matter. You know, well, it's about committing your lives to one another, which is so beautiful. Thank you. And it's really interesting the the um, the feedback and response he gets versus the response I get. I feel a little more embarrassed from time to time because so many people ask me, oh my God, you're engaged. Right, like it's so beautiful which and is sparkly. Fine. Yeah. Like, I, I do look like I'm engaged. <laughs> um, and Chris's response to wearing like a wedding band is like, people just don't say anything. They're just like, oh, he's married, whatever. But yeah. when they see an engagement ring, yeah, they immediately want to know. Men. They want to know like, when is the wedding? What are you planning? Do you know what you're going to wear? Like I've right. gotten all the questions and mm-hmm. it's understandable. It's like cultural that we wear yeah. a ring it's on fun. our. fun. We like a party. We love a party, but I don't want to plan that party right now. Yeah. And I don't yeah. have the money to plan it. So, Good, you know, wait. we're just gonna, we're just gonna be what we are until we officially get engaged if that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, or just go straight into marriage or long-term commitment or whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. It's so interesting. I hadn't, like, until today been, like, it's just, have you, like, had other people in your lives that have, like, done this or you just kind of thought about it and... Nobody. It just really just happened. And it just... Yeah, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I, I love what you've done because it's something that we don't have space for in American culture. But I have two friends who are, well, now they're both, well, one is now married and one is engaged, but they are, one is dating, they're both dating Europeans. And over there, within their cultural construct and their governmental construct, you can have, you can do different stages. You can do these things in Spain. It's called a pareja de hecho, and there's different kinds of common law. And so it means you can show your commitment without being married or kind of as part of that journey to being married. And I just love that you are doing that here and showing that example to, you know, us dumb Americans. So... Well, you know, I've always felt that I'm smarter than everybody else. <laughs> no, um, no, that's nice to hear. And, and, you know, it really happened organically and sort of as a f- joke. Um, I was on FaceTime with Chris one night. We don't live together yet. And, um, and, he, and I noticed he was wearing a ring, like, on his own without saying anything yeah. to me. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you wearing? Um, and he was like, oh, my God, don't don't look. You know, I don't want you to see. 
was like, what's going on? And he's, he said, he's an actor and a writer. And he's like, the confidence that it gives me, you know, and we can talk about the construct of marriage and how it gives people more societal leverage and all these things. Um, but the confidence that it, he said, it gives him to think like, I'm working towards this in my career mm-hmm. because I want this in my life um, was really what made him feel good. And I was like, oh, I feel the same way when I wear a ring. So that's how it started. Very cool. So it's the season of, what do they call it? Cuffing? Is that part of Valentine's Day? Yeah. Anytime that it's cold. Anytime that it's cold. So I'm curious, you know, what kind of problems are your clients bringing to you now that they're approaching Valentine's Day and people get a little anxious? Um, What's how do you work through that, those anxieties around dating and the holiday with them? Yeah. So generally my clients feel at the end of their rope with dating. And, um, you know, I have a few clients who are coming to me with like very little dating or swiping experience. And for them, the, the homework and the, um, the assignments and the, the intentions are a little bit different, but for women who have been dating for a couple of years, um, you know, and they're sort of sick of swiping and they're sick of dating and they can't seem to find dates that are worth their time or dates that are really depleting them of their energy. Um, Specifically from now until the 15th, I'm prescribing that all women stop swiping. Um, Unless a random awesome date falls into your lap for some reason, I say that nothing good can come from a mediocre first date around Valentine's Day Mm -hmm. because you're just going to compare yourself to everybody else at that restaurant. And so so comparison is really it's really strong right now, especially for singles. And um, and so I, I invite all single women listening, all single people listening to eliminate all forms of comparison stress in their lives until after Valentine's Day. After Valentine's Day, I'm encouraging my clients to like pick back up on one or two apps and really work with me on what strategy they can use uh, and to to amplify their efforts and to get better matches in their inbox after love it. Valentine's Day. I love it. Amazing. So taking a step back, because I feel like last time we had just scratched the surface of mm. dating and life yes. and all of these tipsy. things. You I fed me wine to... beforehand and it went straight to my head and I was like, whoa, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, it, ended, it was great. It was great. But it's also like, you know, with the segments and we're just like, who yeah. are you? What? Are, where are you from? What's going on? Um, very surface level. Um, how do you feel as you've been kind of building your business and you've gotten more clients and things, what are kind of the patterns that you've seen, you've been seeing and maybe someone that is feeling at the end of their rope and they're like, I don't know if a dating coach is for me. Like, when do you think that the time to go from like doing it on your own to like dating coach is, Mm -hmm. or is it kind of the thing where everyone's like, everyone needs a therapist. Maybe everyone needs a dating coach. Who knows? Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. So the trend, the patterns that I'm seeing are that um, people think that dating like conventionally should be easy and that swiping because it's an app should be easy. And because all all of our dating apps are gamified, uh, Mm. which is how they get us Mm -hmm. to stay on them. um, Also, do you think there are a lot of bots? Probably. But, like, there are so many people in New York City. There's so many, you know, it's like you could swipe forever. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Peop, some of I my always clients wonder run about into, that. Yeah, some of my clients run into the same people. But there are bots, I think. I I couldn't tell you the stats on right. it. But, <laughs> um, okay, so trends. I'm seeing that people think it should be easy. And because general common wisdom is like, you have an app, it should be easy. People feel mm. even more stress about the fact that they're single, about the fact that it's difficult. Um, I would say also because it's, quote, easy people swipe to numb their emotional Mm -hmm. selves um they use these dating apps without intentional effort because again it's a game it's an app it's to get my mind off this awkward conversation i'm having in the elevator or it's to you know occupy my mind while i'm at lunch um and also you know who doesn't want a rush of Dopamine. Dopamine. Who doesn't want to rush a dopamine when you get a match? 
that's what keeps us on those apps is those matches. And that feels like we're winning for a split second. And then we're back to, oh my God, what am I doing? Like I haven't, I haven't met anybody worth my time. Right. Okay. Those are two swiping trends that I see. And then I see, um, people not really thoughtfully engaging with what it is they actually want to see across the table or on a very surface level with their friends, you talk about what you want, but with your friends, you're sort of in this feedback loop, right? Your friends give you the same advice that they gave you last week, that they gave you last year. You give them the same advice, no knocking friends, you need them, (laughs) but But to see progress in your dating life, to think of, to, to shift your mindset and perhaps open your, open your heart to um, more abundance in your dating life. Um, well, I'm a big fan of journaling. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. And I also have um, a brazen blog where every week I uh, release a new video uh, on just this, right? Like little mm-hmm. small tangible steps that you can take week by week to uh, increase your knowledge of self and to also decrease the stress that you're feeling on apps with strategy. Mm-hmm. So let me think one thing that you can do. Okay. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, setting a swiping tipping point. Did we talk about this in the last episode? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, but I love it. Okay, cool. So once you've decided what app is best for you, which is a whole nother can of worms Mm -hmm. because all the apps are very different and some of them are better for your personality than others. Um, Okay, so swiping tipping point is that moment where you're swiping and you start to feel really icky and you don't really know why. And then most people don't recognize their swiping tipping point and they swipe through it. Mm. Not recognizing your swiping tipping point and swiping through it is like running on a sprained ankle. Mm. And when you continue to run on a sprained ankle, then you're going to sustain an injury. And that injury in your dating life is burnout, resentment, apathy, um, you know, dread, all of these things. Um, so swiping tipping point you, when you recognize, I feel icky, like pause, it's all about mindfulness and bringing mindfulness to your dating life. Pause, think about what did I just see? Like what picture of what person did I just see that triggered me? Why did that trigger me? Does he look like my ex? Does mm. she, did she, did she say something in her profile that like, like made me feel uncomfortable? Did he, you know, it can be anything, but just becoming conscious of how, Uh, you are feeling when you're swiping past hundreds and hundreds of faces um, is really important. And bringing that awareness to your process will change your process. And putting the app down when you reach that tipping point will create a space for you to actually match with more people who are better for you in less time swiping. So -hmm. it sounds really simple, um, but I find that it's very difficult for people to do because they're anxious about it being a numbers game and they've got to swipe to as many people as possible and Mm -hmm. (laughs) all that jazz. So that was my long-winded answer to your question. I love it. So they've done the swiping. They've recognized their swiping tipping point. They're like ready to go. The first date is set up and the date is a dud. How do you handle that? And then how do you recover from that? Do you want to do a little role play, Shay? Oh, yes, always. Okay, great. So you imagine, I know you had a a very um, long dating life in New York City. Is that right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. Perpetual first dates? Perpetual first dates. Okay, cool. So great. You're my client now. Okay. And um, and imagine, I want to take you back to um, one of those first dates that was just kind of like a, not necessarily bad, but just like a dud. Mm-hmm. And remember, like, how you were feeling in that moment, what was going on for you emotionally and physically. Like, take a second, go back there. Okay. And then we're going to jump in. And I'm going to be Lily and you're going to be Shay. Okay. And I'm going to call okay. you and you're going to say, hello, Lily. And we're going to do a <laughs> date good. feedback session. Oh, my ready? God. This is so fun. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> we should do it on your first date with David. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. That wasn't that- a dud. That was that good. Wasn't. You're in relationship was- with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was so. <laughs> Okay, so are you there? I'm here. Um, hold on. I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. I can be there. I'm there. Great. Hey, Shay. How's it going? Hey, Lily. It's going okay. Okay. So (laughs) I know you have the date brazen feedback form in front of you. 
which has all the questions. You filled in like how you feel about the date, like what went right, what went wrong. Tell me in your own words, like what happened? Well, I mean, it was like totally fine. We went out for a beer and, you know, he was nice, but I, you know, I felt like we didn't really click, but I'm about to throw this for a loop. Okay. Um, but you know, but I, you know, he was okay. He was really, really nice. And, um, but now I'm really upset because, um, I haven't heard back from him. Mm. And what did he say at the end of the date? How did it end? He was like, nice to meet you. And he gave me a hug. Okay, cool. So what did you talk about on the date? Uh, we talked a lot about work, uh, particularly about his work and, um, yeah, mostly about work. Okay, cool. So it didn't feel necessarily like sparkly conversation necessarily. It was like work talk. No, it, it was like work talk. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. know because of the, the sessions that we've had before, Shay, okay. that you have been feeling really discouraged by these like continuous lackluster dates. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's 100% correct. Yeah. Is that how you feel about this date? I do. And I think the thing that's really bothering me is that they're like, they're lackluster in the moment, but that I feel like I don't also get a chance to know them better. Hmm. And how does that make you feel? Um, it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong and also that I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm sorry you feel the way that sucks. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, what was the first thing you said before I'm not good enough that, that you're doing something wrong? Yeah, exactly. So what would like, think about that, that voice in your head that's saying I'm doing something wrong. Why does that voice tell you that? Like, what do you think you're doing wrong? What does that voice think you're doing wrong? Well, I feel like it's such you know, when you're these guys, I know they're going on a lot of first dates. So Mm. I feel like it's really hard to differentiate myself. And then I feel like a commodity, not like a human being. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you feel like a number in the numbers game of dating. And tell me, was your conversation before the date on like on the app or over texting? Like, was it sparkly? Why did you choose to go on a date with him? Um, I just feel like because he was nice. How was he nice? You know, he talked about his mom and he said he had a dog and I really like dogs. I know you love dogs. he didn't sound like a serial killer. So I figured, why not? So how can you learn from this date for your next one? Like, what do you think you've learned about who you should be searching for or like what showed up in his profile that you can learn for the next day or what you brought to the date that you can learn for the next one. I feel like I shouldn't feel like I'm settling before I even go on the date. Thousand percent. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. That's my takeaway. That's a powerful takeaway. And if you can bring that into your day-to-day swipe life, I can assure you, you're going to go on fewer dates, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to waste your time less. And you are going to learn much more about what sort of person is actually possible for you than Mm -hmm. if you went on a bunch of dates because it's a numbers game and, like, you just want to put yourself out there. I think you sound like you're on the path to putting yourself out there on dates that actually matter and on dates that can be more than work talk. And listen, some dates are just going to show up and be lackluster. Some are just going to like some you can't predict. You're going to have a sparkly conversation over text and then you show up and it just is going to suck. But what I want you to do on your next first date Mm -hmm. is really take note of the person's profile and what you like about that person's profile. Mm -hmm. Why you choose like consciously, why am I choosing to go on a date with this person? And then Mm -hmm. on the date itself, think about how he's showing up in a way that is like, oh, this guy is kind of possible for – he's showing me what's possible. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, like, how is he not possible? Like, what do I need to focus on to bring to the conversation, to bring to my energy? Like, that actually what is possible for me that he's not bringing? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I Great love advice. It. Thank you, Lily. So that was that excellent is, advice. Goodbye. That's – yeah. <laughs> so, so what we just did is a date feedback session. 
And um, thanks, Shay. You're so you're such a good actress. You're welcome. I was basing that on my was it the physical uh, therapist Steve the physical. Oh, therapist. I knew it. I knew it was Steve the physical therapist. You know Steve the physical therapist. I Shay and it. I lived together when oh she was dating God. Steve the physical therapist. Sounds like a Sex in the City episode. It was very oh much so. It, it was basically. Meanwhile, was. I was dating some guy who <laughs> threw up. 360 in our bathroom oh my god talk about a horror story terrible if you had yeah. done the if you had chosen me to do the date feedback yeah that would have been, been a real quick oh convo just like <laughs> well, lose his phone number it's that's the hard thing is like for a lackluster date which a lot of the dates we people go on are like how do you learn from it what can you glean from that experience so that um you feel like you're a little more in control of the process afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so with Date Brazen membership, which I can talk about more later, yes. one of the benefits is this date feedback system. So in front of you, you have all of these like intentional questions sussing through why you chose the date, how the date went, what you felt at the end of the date. And after you know working together for a certain amount of time, you have a lot of data for yourself on mm-hmm. like what went on and who you should be looking for and how it made you feel and what my clients experience is like when they look at the data from their own dating life, they see, Mm -hmm. they see patterns and then they see ways that they can, um, you know, continue moving that trajectory up and up and up. Um, does that make sense? Yes. It does. I have a question. Yes. Unrelated to what we were talking about. Do you ever, do you either encourage or not encourage your clients to tell the people that they're dating that they're working with you? Or, like, if the clients bring it up voluntarily on a date, have there ever been any, like, strong reactions from the people on the other side? Or does it not really come up? That's a great question. I would say that most of my clients probably wouldn't want to share on a first date that they are working with a dating coach. Um, I think the what's difficult about, like, being a date coach is that a lot of people don't know what I do. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are confused about what it is. Or they think you're just a matchmaker or something. Totally. And that's the world I come from, but that's not the world I inhabit now. Um, So I want my clients to feel comfortable saying whatever they want to say. And if they want to bring up like, hey, I'm really into self-reflection and I'm really into bettering my dating life, uh, dude or lady across the table or person across the table, we're on a first date. Like, we know dating sucks. That's why I'm working with the dating coach. I think that makes sense, but it's up to yeah. the person's yeah. discretion. Um, I was just curious about that. And of course there are negative reactions, right? You're working with, you're doing well, what? People are judgy about like everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the worst is the judgment that people put on themselves for being single and the judgment people put on themselves for going on perpetual first dates. Cause that voice like gets really mean. Yeah. Inner yeah. voice. So, yeah, that inner voice is not cool. Um, so to take it now, let's say we're three dates in. What is your advice for your clients about, you know, sex? Doing it. Yeah. Um, because you hear a lot of dating coaches take a pretty hard stance, firm stance on when and where and how and et cetera. And I'm honestly, to hear yours. I am not interested in telling women what to do with their bodies at any moment yes, ever. Yes, girl. Um, yeah. And I have hooked up with people very quickly and gotten in relationship with them quickly. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's a hard line rule. I think it depends on context and mm-hmm. the person's story and what they need physically and emotionally from another person. So I don't have a hard line stance. Um, yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, shall we ask our burning questions? What yeah. What are some of the best success stories you've seen and what are some of the worst dating nightmares? <laughs> what do you want to start with? Success you or want to horror? Talk. Let's start Maybe. with horror yeah. because I want to end on a high note. Yeah. On a high note. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So I was telling you this before the, the podcast uh, and I just want to share it. Like I was thinking about all of the horror stories that I have, like the stories that I know of over uh, coaching and matchmaking in my previous job, literally over 300 women. Um, and there are a lot of horror stories and all those horror stories are like linked to beautiful souls who were at their most vulnerable moment during that time. 
And so I'm uncomfortable sharing like very specific stories. I will say there was one incident where I set a woman up on a date with a man who I thought was nice enough. And she called me 10 minutes after the date started and was like running to her car. And she was like, I felt unsafe. (gasps) He was not who I wanted him to be. How dare you? Like, why did you set us up? Blah, 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 blah. It was super scary. And then he started harassing me (gasps) over text and email. I blocked his number. So clearly he was like a predator if he was. I think he was more a little off kilter. Than a predator. Like maybe mm-hmm. he had a little bit of mental instability. And this does not speak well of my matchmaking abilities, <laughs> right? That I made this match. Um, but he went through like a vetting process outside of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, some yeah, people. you don't know. No, you're not you're to not blame. God. Oh, my God. So uh, anyway, yeah. uh, he started harassing me. Then he threatened suit. Um, he threatened to sue me. Well, this goes back to, like, we've talked about it on the podcast before, like, when you see, I'm sure you've seen the studies, like, when they ask, like, men what their biggest fear is on a first date, and it's like, that she's going to be fat and ugly, and when they ask women, it's, I'm going to get raped and murdered. Like, literally, like, Tinder has done these studies, like, independent, like, McKinsey, and it always comes back to some variation of, like, men think that the woman's Mm. not going to be who she says she was, or physically unattractive, and women are like, I literally am fearing for my safety. Every time I go out on a first date. Male privilege. Yeah. Um, uh, and. It's very depressing. It's very depressing. And, and I also want to bring in uh, probably white privilege at some, at some level. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Another horror story, since you mentioned fat, uh, oh. is like, I have a lot of horror stories related to body shaming and. Mm-hmm. Um, body insecurity and that sort of thing on dates. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to date if you, it's hard to date period. Um, and I have had a lot of clients in the past who were plus size or who were, um, you know, really tall and, and curvy, um, who experienced like a lot of heartbreaking judgment on a first date that I then Ugh. was responsible mm-hmm. for. So, like, a woman showed up, uh, my client at the time, um, would show up on a date, and and afterward, we did our feedback session, and um, she was like, he just looked me up and down, and I could tell, like, what everything he was thinking. And a lot of assumptions were happening for her uh, based on her own insecurities, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I also knew that this dude, like he probably was judging her really hard and how heartbreaking to be sitting across the table and know that the person like looking at you, Mm -hmm. it, you know, is judging you for this thing. Um, so, you know, that sucks. Um, uh, I also have dealt with clients with super high expectations that are a little unrealistic. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you've had any clients where during the feedback session, you've had to be like, girl, Maybe you made yeah, this you a date nightmare. Lab? Well, it was, uh, I do with my date coaching more than I did with my matchmaking. Um, just because I was representing a mm-hmm. company when I was matchmaking and in date coaching, I'm representing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I would say like, I don't know if we can deliver what you want, but I would never yeah. be like, you know, I knew, right. a ma- I knew a matchmaker who no longer works, no longer works for that company. Um, who would literally say like mean things to her clients. Oh, like, no. like you're not in the gym enough to get that kind of man. Oh or God. like you, you like, you say you want this kind of man, but he lives on the Upper East side and you live in this neighborhood and it's never going to happen because you're wow. just like, and I, she told me that and I was like, thank God I'm not your client. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it, dating is really vulnerable. And I, I, want to be as uplifting and positive and honest and kind as possible. So what are some of the best stories now? Ah. The best stories. Um, Well, what sparked, I think I said it in the last interview, but what sparked brazen really is this client who I had who um, was in her like mid to late thirties. And she had this amazing career in the nonprofit industry. She's this beautiful woman and, um, she and I were working together for about six, three months, six months, maybe. And I was setting her up on these dates and she, after, 
you know, coaching with her. I was sort of trying out the coaching thing as we were matchmaking. And when I was matchmaking, she was seeing guys like maybe two, three dates uh, in sequence, but nothing had really stuck yet. And at Mm -hmm. the end of our experience together, she was like, I, I know I haven't met the love of my life during this matchmaking time, but through working with you with this coaching stuff, I've learned to trust my gut for the first time in my life. I've learned to be less afraid on a first date. I've learned to introduce myself to a guy I find attractive on the subway. I've learned to, uh, to take control of my dating life for the first time in my life. And that feels really good. And I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And, um, and so those are the kind of stories that I experienced with Brazen and, um, and my clients walk away with the tools that they need to get in control of the ins and outs of dating, which feels so out of your control normally. Um, and then there are relationships and tra-la-la. But those are the happy Amazing. stories yeah. I love. I love that. I love it. Do you have like a wall of like happy client couple photos? Like kind of how like fertility doctors will have a wall of like happy babies? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. I try I to start that. Okay. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> Unless you're like not into it, then that's cool too. Well, and, and I, I don't like, I don't know how this will make me sound as a dating coach, but success to me for my clients mm-hmm. is not necessarily a relationship. Like relationships don't yeah. measure my success rate because relationships come and go. Yeah. Getting in relationships is sort of random. And especially with like, date coaching I want to teach you how to fish I don't want to give you a fish that may or may not stick around so really you need just a wall of like really smart successful happy smiling women yes some of whom are in relationships some of whom aren't but they're happy along the way no matter what I love that. I love that. Well, shall we ask you about, you mentioned briefly that you had started a membership program. It's kind of, this is new since the last time you were here. So maybe if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And as a follow-up to that, also unrelated, um, maybe to put a little topper on the Valentine's Day thing, what you recommend single women, maybe women in the membership do on Valentine, like on the actual day itself. Yeah. Like fun things to do. Okay, totally. Let's start there. Um, so I have a couple of events coming up. I have one on Valentine's Day, the 13th. Um, you can find all this information on datebrazen.com. Um, but on Valentine's Day itself, I encourage you to schedule self-care in your calendar as you're listening yes. to this right now. So right now, think about that thing that you have been like, oh, I should do that. Whether that's like going to CVS to the sheet mask aisle and buying like a lip sheet mask and a face one. Oh la la. Um, <laughs> or like scheduling a massage or like scheduling a, f- a wine date with a friend, get out of your head and put it on the calendar. Uh, right now is my suggestion for single ladies to do on Valentine's day. I love it. Um, there are also a couple events in the city. If you want to be mingling with single people, um, I know we met at Acme. The podcast has a fun event on the 14th that's coming up. So to your question about membership and our offerings. So I'm really excited because beyond just a one-on-one coaching package, I'm now offering Brazen membership, which means that um, my members now get to be a part of the Brazen community in a more intimate and supported way than ever before. So I wanted to create an opportunity for my clients to be supported in every aspect of their dating life, not just a one-on-one conversation with me, which is awesome, but I wanted to give them even more touch points of support. So membership has a one-on-one coaching session, one per month, and then uh, opportunities to do group coaching with other single brazen clients, which let me tell you, gets fiery and fun and wild. Uh, And then I have monthly events and they get like perks to the monthly events and they get the date feedback system that I've created to measure each date against the other ones and to see uh, better results from that process. Um, and then they get a couple other goodies that you can find out about on my website, datebrazen.com. Um, and I'm so excited to, to be here and be talking about it because 
Um, there's a real epidemic in this culture, right? Of loneliness and of anxiety and depression. And I really want to interrupt common dating wisdom to bring women more peace and assurance that they have exactly what they need to find the love that they deserve. And it's time to claim that you deserve extraordinary love. And I help women with the tools to claim that and to put it into practice and to find dates that actually make them come alive. I love it. Uh, so as a final closing question, I guess, um, can you give us a little teaser? I know on your Instagram and in your videos, you're talking about some fun Valentine's Day facts. And mm. I would love to hear what they are. Okay, I may have great. one today, but I haven't been on Instagram much. So no, it's no it. worries. I posted yeah. a, a video on my blog, um, also on my YouTube channel, and it's all about how the origin of Valentine's Day is just like Game of Thrones. Oh. Yes. So the origin of Valentine's Day, I did a little research because I wanted to make my single ladies feel better about themselves during this arbitrary February 14th day. Yeah. Um, okay, so number one... I have to think. Number one is that it was all about babies and booze, which means that originally the reason why we chose February 14th is because the Romans celebrated the, the fete of Lupercalia or the feast of Lupercalia from the 13th to the 15th. And that feast included slaughtering animals and then whipping women with the hides of those animals. Fun and, time. And the the whipping um, apparently meant that those women would be fertile and, like, birth babies. And the women would, like, line up around the block to get whipped <laughs> with these hides. Wow. And, uh, and we didn't, like, come to recognize Valentine's Day as a lovey-dovey holiday until Chaucer and Shakespeare editorialized the hell out of it in their work. Um, those guys. So that's Look number one. And then like, there's a matchmaking lottery where in the feast of Lupercalia, where men would literally draw names of women out of a jar. And then those women would be forced to like shack up with that man for the duration of the festival. And then if like the match was good, they'd, they'd seal the deal. Um, and then also <laughs> I shared that like St. Valentine is like the patron saint of a lot of things, including beekeeping and epilepsy and the plague and fainting. Aww. So I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot more important things to be focusing on in the world than like an arbitrary love day where you like, so don't stress, don't compare yourself. Like you're great. This is a construct. Like let's live our lives. Yeah. I, I love, love it. All. Awesome. Yay. A great note to end on. Well, Lily. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Yes. And Thanks, maybe if you want to say again where people can find you and yes, stuff. At DateBrazen.com and at DateBrazen on Insta. Yes. I love yes. your Insta. And even though I'm in a relationship, I signed up for your emails <gasps> and they're very delightful. Oh, thank you. you I know? will also sign up to your e for your emails so I can forward them on to others. You can sign up on my link tree on my Instagram. Love it. Ooh. I would love to be in touch and like make our relationship official. Great. Yay. Well, thanks again awesome. for coming back. Thank you this for having awesome. me. Yay. All right, Yay. campers, check out Lily at Date Brazen. And also, if you're not already following at camp underscore adulthood, do it like right now. Yay. Yay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, resident youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.